Welcome to the Realized Gains Podcast, a guide to real estate investing. Join our co-hosts, Jordan Lee and Stephen Tran, as we interview a diverse group of real estate investors, both amateur and professional. Our goal is to help you understand that anyone can invest in real estate. Tune in to hear creative strategies and learn from both our mistakes and our successes. You can find us where you love to listen to podcasts, on YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com. The past five years, I feel like I keep, the reoccurring theme was like, the market's going to shift, the market's going to shift. It's like, <laughs> I'm getting in there like in 2018, and they're like, the it's market's going to shift, market. and I'm just like, gonna be a buyer's market. You know? oh, I'm like, no. yeah, I just missed it. And then it's like, kick the can down the road every <laughs> single year, market shifting, huh? So. <laughs> uh, can I ask, did you just like jump and leave Intel and do the realtor thing? Basically. Mm, okay. I licensed in January, and then by about March, I was like, I didn't do this for a trial career. This is going to either work or not. And I just, I couldn't, I had three kids and single mom, three kids trying to do Intel and figure out real estate part-time. I was like, this is not going to work mm-hmm. if I keep splitting hairs everywhere. So nice. yeah, I just was like, okay. And did uh, you have a safety net <laughs> before you did that or? My tax return that year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to episode 37 of the Realize Gains podcast. I'm your co-host, Jordan Lee, mortgage lender based in Portland and licensed in nine states, and I invest in single-family homes. Yeah, and I'm Stephen Tran. I'm an Oregon and soon-to-be Washington realtor. I invest in multifamily and short-term rentals. And who we interview today, Stephen? So we interviewed a local realtor investor, Jennifer Florent. Uh, I met her at an investing event. Um, Thought she was a pretty big deal. You know, everybody knows her. She's really a connector in the investor space. Yeah, they run a huge event called the Northwest Action Summit, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that brings in a lot of big-time speakers, and I think there were a couple hundred people showed up for the event last year. Um, super, super valuable information. Uh, and she talks about her kind of career shifting from the hospitality world to to real estate as a, a flipper, and then and now, yeah. Yeah, no, and she does like events at her local flips, and uh, like I said, she has a wealth of knowledge in a very short period of time. So if you're uh, interested in learning more about flipping, stay tuned. Hey guys, welcome to the Realized Gains podcast. We're on episode 37. My name is Stephen Tran. And I'm your co-host, Jordan Lee, here. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today we have a really special guest, uh, Jennifer <laughs> Florent. And um, you want to just tell us a little bit about your background, your story, how you got here? <laughs> how I got here in general, or how I yeah, got here? Yeah, let's start at the very beginning. <laughs> oh, yeah, geez. Coming from the birth that, canal. Yeah. Mm, well, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, it's always interesting how people make it to Portland, you know. Mm, most well, people I do have an here. interesting story on that. I grew up in the East Coast. I'm from Maryland originally. Mm-hmm. Uh, 25 years there. Uh, bounced around, got married, bounced around for about seven years. Um, went from Maryland to California to. Maryland again what to were California you doing? What again. Were you doing? Was... Uh, my husband at the time was a Marine. So oh, okay, okay. Basically, got in the military, you know, lifestyle for a while. Um, mm-hmm. We were married for about eight years and bounced around a lot. Um, so, kind of crisscrossed the country a few times, um, and then we split up. And I went to I was in North Carolina um, and ended up 
dating someone else, and um, we were together for a long time, had a daughter together. He was actually originally from Oregon. Okay. So he wanted to come back, and then we came out here, because I'd already crisscrossed the country. It's, like, been in California. It wasn't really a big deal to move out to Oregon. Right. uh, Necessarily, but... um, so, you know, that didn't end up working out, but I ended up staying. So, <laughs> and that was in 2014. Okay. In 2014 mm-hmm. is when you came out here. Yes. Okay. And and when you came here, what, what field were you in? Um, I was in the hospitality restaurant industry for like oh. 23 years. So oh, wow. did a lot of bouncing around with that, with um, regular just restaurants, um, corporate catering. Uh, when I came out here, I ended up with Intel for three and a half years. Oh, um, you did the doing, food program at Intel? Yeah, doing their corporate catering program. Oh, nice. So doing all of their large events okay. um, and, you know, meetings and things like That's that. That's a pretty big, like, machine, right? I mean, how many oh, yeah. people are they typically feeding at those events? Uh, the the quarterly events that they do there, they actually feed the entire <laughs> campus, like wow. the, all, all of the campuses here. Um, so, and they also have a day shift and a night shift. So they, there's like a, it's like a three day thing where there's six services basically, because mm-hmm. you're doing day shift and night yep. shift on both days. And yeah, yeah. Cause they have, they have people 24 hours there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So in the fabs and everything. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I mean, did that's like the biggest scale, re- really, over there um, with that event because they really try to get hit every single person that works there. So um, between all the campuses, I was gonna say it's funny. I think Jordan's so interested because he used to work as a chef. That's my, that's my old career. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's I'm right. Just trying to imagine the logistics of. Oh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of logistics. Meeting which, all those people in all those different places and all those different times. Yeah, it, it was interesting for sure. So because they have like, you know, three main campuses mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, some of the they had some satellite ones. They shut those down. But um, so, yeah, just trying to kind and of was do there all like that. one main commissary kitchen that coordinated or was it you kind of coordinated between multiple? Kitchens? Um, there's one main uh, basically at Romler Acres and then there was a secondary one at Jones Farm. So, um you know, that was where everything was coming out of. Okay. Wow. Cool. So, yeah. But so then how did you get into real estate? Um, kind of off of a suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> where did the suggestion come from? Um, a couple of times because of my, you know, food service background, it seems to be a natural transition for a lot of people in this industry mm-hmm. and that industry to get into real estate. I think it's more of the networking people personality, mm-hmm. um, just being able to function with a lot of different details. Um, mm-hmm. And then, so that was kind of a suggestion, like my brother and like somebody, a friend of mine, oh, you'd be great in real estate. Uh-huh. Um, and then. And they were, were they in the field already or? No, no, they just were just like, oh, for some reason, huh, I just kept hearing it. <laughs> and so. Were they specific about it? Like real estate, investing, real estate no, agent? Just just real I think just they were meeting houses, you know? <laughs> I think they were meeting agent basically um, in general but kind of like the tipping factor was <laughs> I went to a therapy session once and it was the first time I had gone to this particular therapist uh-huh. and like 10 minutes into the in the very first session he's like he'd be really great in real estate I'm like oh so okay. there was like there was multiple signs <laughs> yeah it wasn't, it wasn't just one person like three different people told you like, yeah you know, yeah like, well if everyone yes. says I should do it and it, yeah it. and somebody like knowing me for all of 10 minutes like that was like their first suggestion huh. I was like all right fine Let, let's see if this works out here <laughs> well at this point had you bought your first house here by yourself or no um the only house that I had owned prior to that was one that I basically inherited um from my ex-husband's father passed away mm. it, that's how 
how I ended up from California to North Carolina. He had a house in North Carolina. So we basically took that over and remodeled that, um, ended up staying there for a while. And that was kind of my first remodel experience and homeownership experience rolled into one. How big of a remodel was that? Uh, It was very outdated. So basically just, you know, refreshing, freshening it all up. But my favorite part of that was redoing a bathroom and pulling a tub and putting it back in when I was like eight months pregnant with my daughter. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, so you you were doing all this stuff yourself. Like this was your first time. How did you learn how to do that? Uh, HGTV. <laughs> I was gonna say, isn't this like before YouTube? But maybe it wasn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I don't think I was YouTubing much in two thousand five, yeah. six, seven in that department. So uh-huh. mostly probably HGTV, and you know there was a Lowe's. It was a really tiny town, basically uh-huh. on eastern North Carolina. So yeah. Lowe's and HGTV okay, were kind of my. Yeah, I didn't realize HGTV <laughs> was like popular already then. So but. you gotta just yeah. wait for the episode to come up. It's like, okay, I'm not doing my bathroom until I watch the episode. <laughs> yeah, right. I was like, oh, that looks great. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and then uh, ended up here in 2014 and, and went, you know, was Intel for three and a half years while I was kind of trying to figure out what career field I really wanted to get into. I kind of fell back into what I knew coming out here. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a logistics degree, so that helped with um, it, the real estate slash restaurant, everything kind of mm-hmm. goes together there. But um, yeah, and so started in 2018, January of 2018 is when I licensed. Okay. Um, okay. Twenty eighteen. Real estate. Yeah. That's a good time to start. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It's funny because like the past five years, I feel like I keep the reoccurring theme was like the market's going to shift. The market's going to shift. And it's like <laughs> I'm getting in there like in 2018, and they're like the it's market's going to shift, market. and I'm just like it's be a buyer's market. You know? oh, I'm like no. I just missed it, and then it's like kick the can down the road every <laughs> single year. Market shifting, huh? So <laughs> uh, can I ask? Did you just like jump and leave Intel and do the realtor thing? Basically, Mm, I licensed in January and then by about March, I was like, I didn't do this for a trial career. This is going to either work or not. And I just I couldn't. I had three kids and single mom, three kids trying to do Intel and figure out real estate part time. I was like, this is not going to work if Mm -hmm. I keep splitting hairs everywhere. So, yeah, I just was like, okay. And did Uh, you have a safety net (laughs) before you did that or my tax return that year? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Basically. Wow. Wow. That's that's super brave. I love that. <laughs> um, and, and like, do you feel that that kind of just putting yourself where it's like either fail or, you know, or or <laughs> do something else, like either get sell homes or you're screwed. I don't Did really want like to that galvanized you into like performing or yeah. I don't really want to say that my life has a theme, but I think for the last ten years it basically does. <laughs> so Jump uh, and hope you can fly. Yeah, you know what's it's it's interesting. I um, right before I made the decision to just literally just quit the job, quit the W two right there was um, when I, I was watching a YouTube or something or whatever. Like I don't know if you've ever watched Steve Harvey's video. Mm. It's called Jump. Okay. And it's basically a monologue after, like, he's just talking to the audience after a Family Feud episode, and mm-hmm. it's like he goes through this, like, basically just, like, the jumping and building the parachute on the way down kind of scenario, right, right. and it was just like, okay, now's the time. If it's ever going to be the time, it's now. So um, that was my first How old were your kids at this time? Leap. Um, so that was 2018. I had a... Seven year old, a an eleven year old, and a thirteen year old. Okay, okay. 13, and did they have like? Were they old enough to be able to like tell what was going on? Uh, yeah. That, were they like asking you what was happening? Uh, I 
don't know. I or mean, they, the idea that I was doing something, something weird, or were they just like feed me? <laughs> <laughs> well, mostly that, but <laughs> um, you know, they were they had already kind of been for a few years in like this like you know I had two jobs for a while as like okay. Intel and um, I waited tables just for extra okay. um, income when I was first here because basically the relationship that I moved out with kind of fizzled like right away so mm-hmm. it was really a okay I'm in Oregon I've never been here before I've never lived here I know no one so right. what am I going to do um, so basically they've kind of been self-sufficient in some capacity mm-hmm. a little bit with two jobs and just kind of navigating all of that so when I transitioned into real estate is that how that works huh? maybe I should just start working more and then have the kids, I mean, the kids figure their own shit you know <laughs> sink or swim do. you know yeah. <laughs> applies to the, the kids too okay, they're I'm resilient they're resilient let that. me tell you <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they, so they'd already kind of been in like this pattern and everything. And then I, it was actually, I ended up having more time because I wasn't so like location based. Like I didn't have to be at work, right. you know, at mm-hmm. both jobs. Yep. So I was actually home more. I was interesting trying to transition into focusing with that and all of their schedules because I didn't have the option before of, okay, mm-hmm. I just had to coordinate whatever they needed outside of me being somewhere else. So, um, but you know they re- worked into it and everything. My son actually went to he's my oldest went out to North Carolina to live with his dad for a while um, at the time. So mm. or like a year a year or so into that, and so it was like really just my girls and okay. navigating that with the two of them at the time, which kind of made things a little bit easier, if mm-hmm. not somewhat challenging. They were my younger ones, but um, it was at least you know not pull, pulling three separate ways, maybe two. <laughs> <laughs> and so did you join like a, a team, or how did you pick? you know, that transition, because it didn't sound like you have connections in, in the real estate world. So what did you go about? How did you make that process? My cousin was with Keller Williams out okay. in Virginia. And so, you know, with Facebook and everything, I just kind of was watching what he uh-huh. was doing. And um, and then that's basically how I ended up. I started with Keller Williams Sunset Corridor uh, oh, nice. in 2018. I actually just circled back to them um, a few months ago uh, to... Just uh, because I'm really local right there, mm-hmm. I was in another uh, team or another office that kind of made the transition into EXP, and I wasn't really prepared to go that direction. Oh, okay. So kind of went back to what I knew brokerage-wise, but yeah. um, working on where I'm going from there. But my business has significantly changed since when I first started with Keller Williams, right, right. and now because we're doing a lot more in our our own properties, our mm-hmm. flips, our mm-hmm. um, things like that as far as my listings go. Yeah, I mean, I want to get into that because we met at an investor event or a couple investor events, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so do you want to kind of talk about your journey from becoming a realtor then now being like, you know, really investor focused? So we're going to fast forward through all the... the well, the we, could talk about, <laughs> we could talk about some of your pain points too, obviously, of starting and basically There's... how we transitioned to yeah. obviously getting into the investor world. I think I went through the typical re- realtor roller coaster that uh, apparently, according to the stats, 87% of <laughs> all agents that license don't quite make it to their first renewal. But, you know, the roller coaster of that, and then I ended up on a team um, with doing kind of like the transaction coordinating and okay. everything. Something more, s- a little more stable income. Yeah, to supplement and just really kind of get a crash course more mm-hmm. yep. of real estate because... Get to see more deals go through, yeah, learn there's how it works. Nothing's cookie cutter in this industry at all. Yeah. So like you're... you The only way that you learn is the, on the next deal. Right. There's no manual. Like the book that you read for the license doesn't really yeah. apply. <laughs> yeah. We all know yeah. that. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, it's, so, it's so funny. Like, you can't just read how to do real estate because it's every con. Like you said, every contract's different, and you can't just like read a contract and know how that works, right? Right. It doesn't tell you how the communication works. It doesn't tell you the story. Well, every transaction is different too. There's different oh, factors. God. There's different. You know, there's different. Yeah, you can't just read an email log. Different that doesn't ages work of either. houses. Different yeah. Standard. Yeah. Uh, HOAs. Right. Uh, yeah. So there's a million different factors that can be different between transactions. So all the ways you can write a deal. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it's yeah. really insane. Like and I, I really do believe it you can only learn through experience. Very much and so. Once you run into a situation, you can ask me, have you run into this before? You yeah. Know? Very much so. So that was basically my reasoning for getting into that role because I didn't feel like I had the experience that I needed or the exposure that I needed. So I was like, okay, if I do this, at least I'll be seeing more deals and I'll be working through the paperwork and I'll be working through the contracts and just kind of learning that way even if it's not my own and then my business started picking up and basically about five months after I started that position is when I started going down the investor track okay Um, okay and what what excited you about that or like what what turned you on to that why did you decide you're gonna just do that uh so it goes back to dating a guy Um, I started dating someone and he was a contractor and basically I took him to our awards banquet for Keller Williams. And the next day he was like, so find me a shithole. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I can cuss on here, but bleep <laughs> yeah, yeah. me out. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, nice. I mean, basically that was the very, very, very beginning of that. Um, so he, he wanted you to find, he wanted you to find a, a fixer. And yeah. Did you guys partner on it then? We didn't partner as far as like the actual property went, but yeah. I was like, I found it. I actually found the very first deal on the MLS and then we, you know, so I was the buyer's agent on that. You wrote and up I was the, the offer. Listing. Yeah. yeah and then so. you Ended up being the listing agent. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we weren't really because we we had just started dating. It wasn't like we weren't right. we weren't, we weren't ready this. to commingle. <laughs> yeah, 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 we weren't we weren't there yet. Um, but so that whole first year, then like we literally closed on that first uh, the first flip on March twentieth of twenty twenty. So like right as everything is shutting down. Okay. Oh, interesting. All of a sudden we're like, <laughs> what <laughs> did we just do? We <laughs> made it just in time. <laughs> we made it just in time, but at the same time, it was the end of March and nobody knew what the heck was about to happen right, or, right. you know, where the where the market was going at all, where housing was going. So um, thankfully, though, it ended up being a really, like, the perfect timing because everything else was shutting down, but they were made, like, real estate essential and all of this stuff. So there was, you know, we're sitting there working I mean, at a house. where we're you not, live, so it seems pretty essential to me yeah Yeah, definitely so we're like at a project house we're not like going to a job so like nothing Mm -hmm. had to shut down we could get materials and stuff and nothing had to shut down as far as that so as far as the timing goes for jumping into something like that uh that was really good timing for Mm -hmm. 2020 just because so many other things were not happening yeah um so that's where that whole thing started and like about four flips in 2020 uh that i was the either I would find it and be the buyer's agent or just be the listing agent, depending on if it got picked up off of a wholesale. Um, so I watched about four of them uh, when I was just the the agent on uh-huh. it. You and, know, the and number this runner. This was your partner, the your boyfriend, your, yeah. the whole time that he was the contractor. So you just kept finding yeah. a new deal. Yeah, basically. And so he did about four that year. And sorry, how did you? What was your criteria for finding them? Like, is like for me, I've always found that it's like hard. People ask this a lot, like, how do you find the deal? What what was your skill? Like, how were you finding those deals? 
Well, I mean, my main skill, I guess, with all of this and where I started with it, it was running the numbers. Okay. Um, so you weren't, like, getting them from friends. It was more like you were looking on the set up a search criteria yeah. and then just calculated the numbers, basically? Yeah. The first one that we found, um, that I found was in St. Helens. Okay. So that was, uh, that was just ended up working. Um, the seller had... He was in the hospital. He was distressed. He was like in the middle of surgeries. He just needed to let go. And they had had like two sale fails already on it. Okay. So basically, Kurt, my contractor, my boyfriend at yeah. the time, now fiance, um, came in and said, you know, I don't need the inspections. Like I can take care of whatever. This is our price. So, you know, this is we'll close in a week. And mm -hmm. they actually had some title issues going on with a VA loan and stuff mm -hmm. that he had. So they extended a week. But that was our first um, looking at the numbers there because the seller was distressed and definitely needed out of it and they had had so many bad experiences prior we were able to get the price that we wanted well, how was he financing it was he doing hard money hard or? money okay yeah and then what what is so what is your number is there a quick rule of thumb you use or is it like a really calculated complex uh, I mean we try sheet? to do this 70 percent you know to ARV loan to a, you know LTV to ARV um, calculation there with the purchase price versus the ARV. Yeah, yeah. can you so, explain that for just for our audience, you know? Um, basically, you take the purchase price, or you, you start you start kind of from the end game. So you okay. start with the ARV, you kind of run so that, comps. The, the, and the ARV being that after, <laughs> after, you repair value. after you've repaired yeah. it. Um, so you, you're looking <laughs> at that, and how are you making that rough estimate of the ARV? Um, that's where being an agent is very helpful mm -hmm. because I'm able to pull all of the RMLS data for okay. the area and see, you know, everything that had been listed. It was active, sold, everything. So, And I'm sure Kurt, uh, as a contractor, knows how much things cost. Yeah, that so, was... Okay, so he's, like, giving you the numbers for, like, what it's going to cost. Yeah, the rehab. Mm -hmm. And you're being like, okay, here's what we need to do to bring it up to this X mm -hmm. market standard. And then based on that and the comps and support in the area, that's what our ARV is going to be about. Yeah. And, yeah. so, and do you give yourself, how much wiggle room do you give yourself there? Um, a fair amount. Like, we really didn't, we didn't do anything slim okay. at all. So we, nothing was, like, close to breaking even? Or no, like no. I mean, we really did that, per, like, very purposely mm -hmm. on the majority of our projects. I mean, if it ended up not being, it was because some factor kind of pushed something one way or the other. Or, you know, we opened up something that was rehab-wise just was completely unexpected. Um, and, like, this past year with, like, the market, kind of fluctuation it mm -hmm. just kind of there's a couple that got a little close there but in general we tried to make it as wide as possible so that we had those contingencies and actually even building in like a 10 percent um you know window there for either extra holding costs or um extra repair you know extra just the stuff behind the walls yeah you can't see <laughs> yeah exactly so trying to trying to build in that buffer i mean we try to do 20 percent okay. of 20 percent profit off of that, so if you okay. have a 20% profit, then you have a, and that's with the 10% contingency there on there. So even if you roll into that, you're really not even cutting it close. So let's say you're buying like a $300,000 house. What does the rest of the numbers look like? So it's marketed for 300. Mm -hmm. Like, let's just, if you have an example, maybe you can give one of like how much money you would put in and how much you would expect the value to be. Well, I mean, in general, uh, for 300, we probably would, Minus holding costs, like even without even factoring that in, looking at what the ARV would need to be would probably have to be like five to five fifty. Okay. Because um, in general, we kind of averaged used to be like sixty, seventy, eighty thousand for for a rehab, but uh -huh. now it's definitely with with uh, supply costs and everything and just materials, it's just really 
really skyrocketed and just in general like subs like like we sub things out so mm-hmm. like everything has inflated mm-hmm. so much so oh, yeah. we're looking at like 100 120 150 thousand dollar rehabs okay. now so you assume you're gonna be in hard cost at least yeah. 450 yeah um just to be conservative and then yeah. that and right that, now and, yes, and you're typically doing things so that includes like a full kitchen remodel mm-hmm. multiple bathroom remodel yeah. floors yeah most of the some drywall stuff or yeah most of the ones that we've done have been full Full, uh, you know if not guts guts, like you know at least with the kitchen and the bathrooms and things like that um we've done full scale it really hasn't been any carpet and paint (laughs) you're not just changing the floors and painting okay no no okay wow okay so yeah you're expecting about 150 so okay interesting yeah so you're you're not going for the smaller ones we haven't uh we've kind of kicked around the idea of doing that a little bit but you know it's like where's the cost benefit ratio there Mm -hmm. when you because things are so tight right now it doesn't it makes even less sense to us unless it's like a straightforward like this is going to be like we're just you refreshing. Found some magic deal. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Where you're so, not actually adding a ton of value. Right. Yeah. And and just look with the market change as far as days on market and everything like that, it just doesn't it doesn't pencil even half as well as it used to to do those basic ones unless it's just like a straightforward, like there's no way that this can miss <laughs> unicorn. Oh <laughs> kind yeah, of. no. Totally. So So I mean obviously as an agent we have the MLS as a resource and how how much would you say you're finding deals on the MLS versus wholesale? We found a few last year on MLS, um, and then we've only we've probably done four or five over the past three years that were MLS. Most of them have been wholesale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of them were either family or referred to us by family. <clears throat> Um, So that's kind of been the blend. I would say the majority would be wholesale. So at a certain point, your family members realize, like, this is what you're doing. (laughs) And they're like, oh, look, there's this house in our neighborhood that just needs it. Yeah, actually, I helped out Kurt's aunt and uncle on their house. So they So even, like, actually their places. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we ended up buying theirs and renovating it and and selling it. Okay. Wow. Okay. And uh, obviously, I meet you at a lot of uh, investor events. Can you talk about building like wholesale relationships or relationship with wholesale? Yeah, how do, what does that mean like for cuz like there's not a wholesale channel that you mm-hmm. search how do you find homes from wholesalers? Uh really there's I don't really under, I don't really know where Kurt and our first wholesaler <laughs> connected. I think it was just basically probably Facebook. Okay. Um so we ended up with working mm-hmm. with Networth a lot. Um okay. oh, Networth Realty. Realty. They're in my office. Yeah. They're in the Keller Williams uh, mm-hmm. at Barnes. Office. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that's basically where we started with them, just kind of getting familiar because they were marketing it a, a certain way, and that was like our one of after the first MLS one, the second and third properties, as two, three, and four, I think, came from them. Um, but just kind of getting a little familiar with that process um, with them, we were able to more network more in Facebook groups and yeah. everything else. I'm going to mention because they, I've seen them carry their signs out. They're the ones who have those white signs where it's handwritten <laughs> yeah. with like four plants signs. available, uh-huh. et cetera. I've seen them carry the stack out. And I was like, you're the guys who leave those yes. signs out there. So <laughs> they, they basically do guerrilla marketing yeah. for properties. So and that was probably, uh, if I had to call how he ended up being in contact with them, I would probably say a bandit sign. Um, oh, really? yeah. yeah, I would, I would say just cause you know, at first it was like, Hey, find me a property, you know, we're going MLS route, but then 
you know, when you're looking consciously looking for something, you like you no, you notice those signs a little bit more on the side of the road. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, that's I, I've definitely seen fourplex for sale. Yes. Call this number. I'm yes. Like, oh man, should I call this number? Scam. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's written with a sharpie. I, I don't know. Oh, they're all written with a sharpie. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. So no, that's it's just I just found that curious that you're working with them, and you know, obviously they have a, just a really interesting. Uh, Style marketing, interesting office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, yeah, very male-dominated office. <laughs> you know? They're they're interesting. I mean, they they've been good. Um, their numbers are relatively decent. What I like about them, um, and I'll plug them definitely because they're one of our sponsors for our conference coming yeah. up next week. They um, their price is their price, which is what I really like. So mm. a lot of the wholesalers around here, especially there's a couple named ones that yeah. you know you'll go, oh, you know, walk through twelve to one, and you know there's fifteen other people there, and then they sit there and bid up the price, right. and then that's how they get their how they increase their wholesale fee, but. Like we really like net worth because it's like you get there, this is the price, and then whoever pays that initial, whoever, whoever pays that there. earnest money deposit is is in. Well, like I said, they're a little bit different because obviously they have real estate agents in the office. Yes, they are licensed. Yeah. Oh, okay, so. they're actually licensed. Yes, they're licensed too. realtors. So okay. it, it kind of it, it takes some of that, you know, scammy kind of mm-hmm. shady marketing slash practices thing off the table a little bit, but oh. at least there's some. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've done, I'm going to say, like, probably a dozen wholesale walkthroughs, you know, with, mm-hmm. like, the people lined up outside. Yeah. You know, just picking up, like, trash so I can look under. You know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> check out the standard Sifting of through home. the hoarders. Yeah, sifting yeah. to the hoarder's house. And it's like, oh, okay, I got to replace the cabinets. What's behind? Oh, sh- I don't want to look at that. Right. You know? <laughs> um, so it's not fun. And then, obviously, even if I want to take on the project, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. like, blind bidding through text. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, definitely. It, it's definitely been easier to have myself as the number person and, and knowing where thing, where ARVs are. And that really came from know, look, looking at the first few projects and, like, really knowing what our finished product looked like mm-hmm. to really be able to compare that well to all of the, you know, the comps that were finished products or, or you know, updated houses uh, when I was comping things out in the beginning. But having the other end of the spectrum of Kurt being there with the – uh, contra- as the contractor brain and just running the rehabs and, and like really knowing real numbers rather than the wholesale rehab, yeah, quote unquote, yeah. <laughs> see, rehab see budget that they'd like to tack on there. Okay, so you're, you're telling me I should marry a contractor. I mean, it helps. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany, if you're listening. No. <laughs> I'm just it definitely helps. <laughs> I mean, it helps with our, with our business. And, you know, that's basically, we started there and we've, grown that and grown into more networking and like like meeting you guys and and it was really nice to be on that panel back in december with um the women's panel for aria oh they're women's yeah Yeah. um that was that was a great event and just really we've taken the business part of what we've done with flips and we fine-tuned that in general just across the board and like really been able to bring in partners on things and you know help people learn how to do it is mm. basically what we've kind of done with some partners that wanted to learn how to flip. We've brought them in because they have some cash or whatever, but then they just want to like observe or learn the process. So we've done that. But then the other end of that has been really just, we started our own meetup mm-hmm. um, that we hold in our properties. And nice. yeah, I mean, we started like middle of summer 21 when things were still not cranking, everybody's still hiding and everything. We're just like, we have properties that we can bring people to you know we don't have to worry about a venue or anything so let's just schedule our meetup at our properties and so we brought that's basically where we started 
um, for the past couple of years is a monthly meetup at a project of ours. And oh, regardless cool. of what Show it was, like the actual project. That's yeah. Either and... we just picked it up or there's, you know, we're to the studs right, and right. we're setting up tacos over like, you know, plywood yeah, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> or like, you know, full staged on the market properties. Um, so kind of the whole spectrum yeah, yeah. of the project, but, you know, just taking advantage of the fact that we have the property to, you know, not necessarily, not even just like meet at, but show people, you know, the stages and like talk about the property, talk about the numbers and those kinds of things for the flipping investing community. So flipping super active, are mm-hmm. you at any point holding any of these investments or are you always turning them? We haven't held anything here yet. We are looking at that as a Florida, mm-hmm. um, for Florida right now. We're really liking the Panhandle area, um, just because it's not so saturated like Tampa or Miami, like the you know the hot spots and, and, and right why now. Why Florida? Um, we like the we like we want an alternative to all the oh, nasty weather somewhere to, go, somewhere to go in the winter <laughs> yeah i mean that was basically our first criteria of that um is like where can we go and escape this place you know in the winter we we both have kids and mm-hmm. so it's like we have ties here as far as that goes so we're not really able to completely leave the portland area but you know and i also don't really want to deal with florida in the summer either so yeah. like i need a good buffer between like growing mm-hmm. up on the east coast i'm like i'm not down with summer humidity right. yeah. <laughs> But um, so, I mean, that's just a place it's it's actually very tenant, um, not not tenant favored like it is here. It's you know, it's very landlord friendly. So, um, oh, yeah, I have a buddy in Florida. I met him at an ARIA conference and he told me how he gets his tenants out. He holds yeah. his shotgun yeah. and he walks yeah. up to the door. I mean, <laughs> you know, they're they're kind of old school out there on that. In that. <laughs> but uh, there are the things that is the main reason why we're looking outside of Oregon in general or the Pacific Northwest or the West Coast, I guess, maybe in general of um, not even just value wise, like, you know, property values are lower there. I mean, Tampa is even crazy as far as as property values go, I mean, they're really comparable to here now. And so um, I like the Panhandle area just because it's not inflated. It's not um, saturated with investors and people that want to do STRs and everything under the sun. Um, And then there's actually a military base there. Mm. So there's a familiarity for me there where I I know the population density and like, you know, the makeup and things like that. What city in in particular on the Panhandle? Mm, Pensacola. Pensacola. Okay. So that's closer to the Alabama side. Yeah, it's like literally right on the line. Yeah. So there's a there's a bar out there called the Florabama. It's like literally the Florabama. Yeah. <laughs> it literally sits right on there. It's right on the beach. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean I think Florida is super interesting. I know that short term rentals are really big in like Fort mm-hmm. Myers, obviously the whole Miami market. Yeah. They're like banned there. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of restrictions and I, I know there's uh, have friends who have rentals in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of all over the place. Like you can really find your market just in the state of Florida. Yeah, definitely. And I like that area. It's like the beaches are the most beautiful that I've ever seen literally there. And it's, like I said, it's just, it's not Tampa. It's not crazy. There's a lot of opportunity there um, that you're not competing as much. I mean, obviously Tampa is a larger area, but I, uh, you know, it's kind of like, that top section right there because it's just a easier easier way of life i guess a little bit yeah <laughs> in some capacity and more of like a vacation vacation spot rather than just like you know a city city area mm. 
And it, that area, uh, Pensacola, that you were talking about, that's not hurricane-prone, is it? Or <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I know there's parts of state Florida that are safe and parts that aren't. I don't it's know. It's basically the very top of the Gulf. So, yeah. you know, I mean... It, the any way, given the insurance is expensive. Any there. given summer, I think Florida in general just has like the most expensive insurance. I'm sure across the board because yeah, the entire state high. is coastline almost. Yeah, and you know it's basically just like a little. It's a it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a leg. Um, so yeah, it doesn't take much. And I mean, I grew up on the East Coast. So I'm not scared of hurricanes. We have hurricane parties out there. You know, most of the time when it's <laughs> not going to be a Category Five. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, but I have written out a decent amount and, um, but it, you know, they're actually building for that now. So, I mean, that's kind of where we're looking. I mean, my ideal property would be a lot with a dock and mm -hmm. then build from there. So you're building like a concrete block. They've just, they've started doing concrete block instead of, um, stick built and things just for, for wind resistance and everything. And you actually can't, um, they won't insure houses if the roof is 15 years or older than 15 years. So because of just yep. the roof damage out there. Oh. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, it's, <laughs> it's an interesting it's factor. Not only is insurance, I mean, the insurance is almost as expensive as taxes and sometimes more expensive than taxes are here. But yeah. Um, but yeah, sometimes your insurance company will just drop you too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there are and those factors. They pay like crazy amount for the forced place insurance. But Right. Oh. Well, I mean, I just like the, uh, I just like, besides the weather, I mean, the, the, the winter weather was, is ideal for yeah. me, for sure. Um, mm -hmm. We're water people. We love being near the water. I grew up by the water. It's just an element that I really, that I want in some place that I live. And health, um, mental health. There's lots of reasons to be health Yeah, on. very much. And it's it just, I like, as far as the economics of the area, mm -hmm. that um, there's a Navy base there. So oh, yeah, stable, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I grew up in Annapolis, Maryland, so the Naval Academy is there. So I grew up military. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm very familiar with how that demographic works and, yep. um, you know, how to rent to them and, mm -hmm. you know, how to facilitate those kinds of things for people incoming and outgoing. You mentioned earlier, sorry to switch track here, but you mentioned earlier a little bit about partners, and I wanted to ask you, um, when you do your partnerships, how do you set those up? Do you do them in, is there like specific legal documents that you guys put together or how do you do that? We do, um, when we do it with a partnership, we do it with a specific LLC okay. for that particular so property. You, so let, like, let's say the two of you are partnering with one other partner. Mm -hmm. you'll, you'll form a separate entity with the three of you together yes. as whatever percentage partnerships yes. you guys decide on. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So and so it comes with an operating agreement and everything right. with mm -hmm. that. So that's basically how we've decided to go that to do that. Um, and how do you have, do you have someone that sets that up for you, or you guys just figured out how to do that on your own? We've basically figured out how to do that on our own because um, we have our LLC. Um, Kurt and I have one LLC sure. together. Uh -huh. um, so we really just use that entity. Yeah. Um, when we are partnering, so our entity owns the the percentage in these I, joint right, entity. Right, right, got it. Yep. So, yeah, like, we encourage the other partner to, you know, form an own LLC yeah. and everything. So we're Another really just going protection, yep. two, L Sorry. two <laughs> LLCs, <laughs> two LLCs, you know, into the joint. Yeah, so. makes sense. And are you strictly doing, like, one partner and you're basically splitting it evenly, or how are you doing these splits? One partner, yeah. I mean, we haven't done anything that's been multiple partners yet as far as flips go, um, unless it was, like, a married couple or something. Um, but... Uh, it depends if they aren't coming in with anything besides like money and they want to learn and they want to like actually be, um, 
kind of mentored in that uh, we do like a 60 40 mm-hmm. something in there so because I mean we're taking on the responsibility and like the Obviously rehab the contracting and, and yeah mm-hmm. like so um, you know we do we do a split like that or we've also done ones that were just um, private money lenders so they'll just partner partner with us for the uh, an interest on their oh, on their okay. investment so got it interesting which kind of which helps i mean like then we secure the financing with the hard money and everything but then we don't have to bring in um cash and everything but then they're just they're just cash infusion right okay well i mean you know i know you have a big event coming up i mean it's kind of crazy you're talking (laughs) about doing events during covid at just like these houses and now you're doing an event at a hotel can you kind of tell us how you kind of scaled up to that and talk about the event in general yeah um it's called the northwest action summit we did the first one last year um in may of last year and basically it kind of was born out of our meetups that we did and being able to network with everybody that we had come into contact with um through our meetups and then just kind of wanting to branch out from there uh we hadn't really established a company of ours we were just kind of a couple that was flipping and um okay it was like okay well we're making all of these great connections and we're going to events we went to bbcon like two years ago in new orleans um and other networking um investor events events like up in seattle and things like that so we've done a couple of those and realized that there really wasn't anything like that in the Portland area. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and especially with like everything kind of still offline or like just kind of getting back established as far as an in-person event, networking event, you know, large scale, uh, when we decided to figure out how to put this together beginning of 2022 and <laughs> yeah, <how laughs> ended I mean, up. I mean, I know Jordan, why didn't yeah, I go, but yeah, uh, I learned a lot. Yeah, I like the, there was an ADU speaker, I remember Yeah, Derek, he's that, coming back. That did a good job, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so we just wanted to, uh, we, we had gained a lot of our knowledge from, like, bigger pockets and, mm-hmm. like, just really kind of being immersed in that and then networking in general and just kind of putting pieces together um, with our own business. And so when we were kind of thinking, like, okay, it would be really awesome to bring this to Portland and, you know, just kind of patterned it off a couple of different events that we had actually attended. Um, and we're like, okay, well, who are we going to bring? <laughs> you know, what kind of speakers do we, do we even bring to this, you know, to have to make this worthwhile. And, um, so we kind of went off of like bigger pockets a little bit and figured out who was more local. Yeah. Um, I had made a contact with, uh, Kyle Robertson a couple of years ago, just off of a bigger pockets post where he was talking about his storage units and um, self storage was where he jumped off and everything. And then was looking at his uh, post and he's, uh, he's in Lebanon. So, you know, I just contacted him and got started talking to him and he had been on bigger pockets before. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of like my first, and I was like, I dig dug a little deeper. We dug a little deeper on who was um, local as far as the Pacific Northwest investor that had been there um and derek shirell who's the adu guy that adu guy down he's in um, medford yeah oregon southern oregon and then um dion mcneely he did the binder method of how to get your tenants to increase their own rent oh. um, <laughs> i gotta get that guy on yeah. to hear about oh, he'll that be here. <laughs> yeah. um and so he was on because he went from like a divorce with like a hundred thousand dollars in debt and everything to uh you know just kind of late being laid off a couple different times and really wanting to not have to deal with that anymore so he went from uh doing just single family rentals and are in duplexes and things like that and has really scaled his 
portfolio and now he just finally retired probably six months ago or so mm. um and it took him about 10 years to get to that point so um and he's in tacoma um and then we have Cody Davis, Cody Davis. and Christian Osgood coming down. Yeah. And Cody's like 23 years old, has like 120, some, 112. I think or I met him when he was something. 21, and he told me he had like 70 units. I was like, how? Uh-huh. <laughs> right. I was in a Seattle meetup and right. met him. So. Yeah, all like pri- all just private money or in seller financing. Yeah, I don't really. think he brought any money in. Yeah, I don't think he, yeah, yeah it's a really crazy story. So. Yeah, yeah so there's, there's, they're starting to branch out because they're getting bigger properties, but they just bought a resort. Yeah, up there. So, <laughs> um, so he's coming. Um, yeah. So it was basically just trying to get either s- specifically local people or mm-hmm. Pacific Northwest mm-hmm. ones that had a little larger exposure, mm-hmm. uh, so we could bring people that might have re- heard of these people <laughs> a couple times. So right. um, we did that last year. Patterned it off of another event that we went to a few years ago that was like a happy hour and then a a full day conference. And that seems to work pretty well because everybody can kind of network the night before and get to know people and then Mm. re-solidify conversations the next day. Oh, nice. So, and then we're doing actually, um, we're doing the same format. It's going to be the 19th and 20th Friday night, happy hour, networking happy hour from six to nine. And then all day Saturday, we'll have our speakers and panels. And then we're having a VIP dinner for the speakers. And then there's like a select few spots for people that want to join that. Okay. Cool. I'll try to make it back in time. I'm in DC for that week. <laughs> Did you finally figure out your uh, <laughs> itinerary? I, my uh, conference in DC is over on the 19th, so if I can fly back, I'll, I'll, I'll come right. join. There you go. <laughs> well, you're side. going the right way from east to west as far yeah. as the time change goes. Yeah, that'll be better. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, do you have an, an overall goal with this conference or this summit? So last year, our goal was basically to just bring the type of event to Portland. Yeah. Um, to bring in speakers and to connect people as far as like networking and, and to really be for us to be able to network yeah. with people that, you mm. know, the people that we're, we were bringing in. Um, and also to kind of solidify a company name, like as where Invest Northwest came from, right. um, our company name. And so, I mean, over the past year, we've really gotten, you know, continued our meetup um, and really knew that we wanted to do another one of these. We got like instant feedback, basically that evening as things were wrapping up like this was amazing like when's the next one and like okay clearly we need to do another one um (laughs) so just kind of like scaling up our meetups a little bit and um trying to figure out some different events to do as a as far as like a monthly uh monthly event but this year i mean really kind of looking at the other connections that we've made over the past year because of it and because of name recognition and things like that just kind of taking more of the connector role Mm. with the community and the investing community. So that's basically what our focus has been this year is, you know, bringing these people to Portland and facilitating this, but then like really, really getting to know them better Mm -hmm. and getting to know their people and getting to know like, you know, because that's basically how this whole industry works. And this whole, I mean, it's a very small community once you, yeah, you know. I, I keep running into the same people <laughs> yeah. at every event. Yeah. Right. And so like once you are in it for a little while, you're like, okay. And then, but the more that you connect, it's like the, the more doors open and the more things you're exposed to and the more things it's like, it's like we were talking about before how the no, tar- no transaction is like. There, no transaction is like in real estate. I mean, there's a plethora of ways to do funding, find the deal, you know, do the flip, yep. do the, do the invest, you know, get the rental or anything, you know, and it's so, 
you, know, you don't know what you don't know until you're exposed to the next right. person or the next person or the next person or like, yeah. hey, did you hear this person doing this? Or, you know, it's like, holy crap, that's even possible. Um, yeah, I mean, I always say it. You always want to put yourself in a position to hear something that might change your life. Right. Exactly. And I think that's where it, it's happened with us. Like, you know, we've really grown from this and just our perspectives on things and just short of you know, just real estate. I mean, just life in general, our perspectives have significantly broadened since 2020 when we started this. And, you know, just the like looking at the world and just the mindset our mindsets are just completely different now than they were then. Yeah, I mean, I would have never guessed that you only really started in 2019, 2020 in terms of this <laughs> investing stuff. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, the more that you're in it, it's like it's it's like the more you're in it, the more you scale. Yeah. And it's like with partnerships or with exposure to people, it's like you can take, you know, something like like Cody. I mean, he's been in it for a few years and he's just like exponential oh, now. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, like a couple of years ago, I was like, what's my word for the year? You know? <laughs> And it was exponential, and it really was like, okay, this is really interesting to be able to like one one connected connection of a dot can really just you know propel you, mm-hmm. and we've found that to be true multiple times, whether it's been financially or with deals or with a partnership or just yep. mindset in general. It's like one spark can you know send you in a completely different direction totally. that you didn't even know existed, totally. and so that's been a lot of what our focus has been you know putting this conference together this for this round here is you know okay yeah real estate investing is great but like what's what's behind that and what really helps drive all of the things that we want to do yeah and that, i mean that brings me to my next question is what is your end goal what is what is your like five-year goal from now <sighs> i don't know end goal, uh- <laughs> end goal speaking you know. of exponential growth yeah, <laughs> yeah where where is that like sweet spot or where do you feel like you can kind of lay off the gas so to speak or yeah you know five years ago it would have been like oh you know i want i want to be able to not have to work or anything like that and mm-hmm. not have to worry about money um i mean not after not having to worry about money is ultimately one of the end goals there right. for sure. Um, but I don't think it's the only one anymore. I don't think it's the primary one. Um, it's the freedom to be able to do what I want to do yeah. and what mm-hmm. we want to do. Um, you know, Kurt and I are getting married in September and like we have seven kids between the two of us and, you know, we have a lot of stuff going on and a lot of kids that are coming behind us and you know we're hoping that we're rubbing off on them a little bit and mm-hmm. <laughs> um but as far as like what we really want is like i just want the freedom and that's you know really shifted from like a monetary goal or anything like that i want the i was talking that melissa dorman's actually coming back to speak again this year um and uh hers is a lot hers her uh, talk's gonna be a lot on mindset and um you know what the next level looks like and those kinds of things. And like, really she did, she's financially free Mm. now. Like she doesn't have to work. And she said that she took about three months off or so. and was just like, this is boring, (laughs) 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 you know? And so we were, we were talking about it last week. It's like, you know, like the, the financial freedom piece of it is the freedom part. It's not really even the financial part is as much as it is the freedom to have the choice to work at what you want to do. And Mm. that's really where, we want to be and you know if it comes with five properties and a dock and a boat in florida and <laughs> we're able to pop back and forth as uh, much as we actually want to then you yeah. know that's a pretty good five-year goal for me <laughs> I love it. 
so I'm curious because I mean, obviously, you know, flipping is a pretty active business. Mm -hmm. Is is there are you like planning on switching more to you know rentals or something that's a little bit more hands off so you can have that freedom you want? I would like rentals or something that's passive, just purely because I want something to work when I'm not working. Yeah. Um. <laughs> you know, like that's. I, Kurt and I are very much like the activity level of flipping, and I think we like the stimulation of like the solving of the problems mm -hmm. and the, I mean, I have a logistics degree, so I'm always like, you know, how do we get here from here to yeah. here? And, you know, what are all the components there? Um, so that's already kind of how I'm wired, mm -hmm. and he's like the Energizer freaking bunny. It's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> stuff that he gets done in a day, it's insane. Um, so we're kind of very aligned in that pace, really, but, you know, Along with the flipping and everything, it's great to have that cash infusion when you sell the property and, you know, you have that extra, you know, lump sum or something like that to put into something else. But, you know, really kind of transitioning into stuff that's going to be the long term moving of the equity and things like that. Like yeah. kind of we're kind of getting towards more into the like, you know, notes and things like that of of you know, okay, we have two hundred thousand dollars worth of equity on this property. How do we move this from that to the, that to be able to um to you know, either buy a new property or how do we do one, one make one free and clear so we can just sell it and yeah. you know moving those kinds of things around. Mm. Um, no, I mean I'm interested because obviously we, you have to pay taxes on all your flips, right? Yeah, they, it, it can be pretty costly. Yeah, definitely. So it, it, you know it's 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 facilitated building capital, um, but not necessarily long term wealth uh, in that capacity. So really moving into... And you can only scale it so much, right? Yeah, without... You can only have so many flips going on. Yeah, without bringing in like employees or like, right. you know, tons of subs and things like that. It's really, which just becomes, the headache the potential is so much more, like we had six or seven going on at the same time last year. And I was just oh like... Oh God, <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. Even if you have a logistics degree. <laughs> right. I think we had eight was our, like, number, was our most that we had going on at the same time. Um, and it, it was fun, but at the same time, thank God they were all in different phases, so mm -hmm. they weren't, like, you know, totally crazy. But it was uh, hard to juggle. Um, but kind of getting – I mean, a sweet spot for us would be getting into more of like, a few rentals mm -hmm. that we can – that we have a decent amount of equity into, yep. yeah. uh, I think, you know, we're, we would flip for, you know, we would basically burr. Um, yep. And Florida is much more friendly with that. Mm -hmm. Like they're, they actually have some good ranges there and their rents are nice um, in the area for sure. Mm -hmm. So it just, just looking at that from a perspective is where things keep getting more compacted and shrinking here, uh, just getting into a market where the growth is still there and the cash flow potential is still there. Um, for a while and just and also being able to have something that's got equity right off the bat and being able to use that without like a refi or things like that is what we would love to uh what we're what we're working into getting getting into awesome yeah yeah and so if um if someone on here was like listening to you and wanted to contact you where could they find you do you have like an instagram or facebook to... uh i have uh, facebook i'm i have instagram but i don't use it i mean i was like <laughs> Looking I'm gonna tag you on it. You know that, right? I know, and I'm like, God, I really need to start like pushing myself over there. I think I, yeah. like, I need to click that little button on, <laughs> push all of my stuff over. Um, but um, mostly Facebook, and then we have our Invest Northwest page. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm just Jennifer Florent, or I have a business page for my realtor stuff, Jennifer Florent, Oregon, O R slash W A. Yeah. Agent. 
Life and sensation. <laughs> if somebody was just going to reach out to you directly, never been in real estate and wanted to learn oh, how to yeah. get started, um, what would you tell them? Do it. <laughs> I mean, that's basically, so we named it the Northwest Action Summit for a reason because the whole theme of it is action. And going back to our beginning of our conversation, when we're talking about jumping off the cliff of, mm -hmm. you know, quitting the job and everything, that's basically, I mean, there's so much that gets built up in our heads that mm. is just not, not even true. Right. And that's the number one barrier is getting over yourself and getting out of your own way and taking a step. It doesn't have to be jumping off the cliff, but it has to be doing something. And then building off of that, even if you take little tiny baby steps, you're still getting somewhere. So, you know, that's basically, it's just, you have to do something. Mm. Um, you know, you can sit there and overanalyze and get into analysis, analysis paralysis for, for the whole rest of your life and never do anything. <laughs> but, you know, like, it's like every time that you take a step, you're building that muscle and you're building that confidence and you're building to the next one. And then you're like, okay, well, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. What's the next step? And so like, you're just kind of, you're just piecing the blocks together. Right. And the more that you're able to do it, the more that you're going to come up against something and be willing to take that gigantic leap. Um, and so that's basically the premise of what the conference was born out of also is just the action step that, you know, take that first step, take that next step. It's not even, mm. you know, from the very beginning, it's like, what's, what's your next step? Like, what's the next step to the next level? Right. And continuing to do that. And so, you know, seek out a mentor, seek out, you know, ask a question, do something that's going to build on a block, you know, build a block mm -hmm. and then do the next thing and do the next thing and, you know, get out of your own way. Yeah. No, I love that message. I have a lot of clients <laughs> who need to talk to, so. <laughs> or who need to hear this? Well, it's like, it's really is. I mean, the, the more that you do it, the less scary and, and, and the less the less barriers that you put in, in, you know, put up in the way. Like, it's all, it starts here, and the more that you chip away at it because you're doing the things, you know, like the the reflex just gets better and better and better and better. And totally. then you can, you can judge things better. Yeah. And so, you know, like you're, you're not just thinking that you're flying out into like the complete unknown. You're like, okay, well I've done this five times before, right. you know, and I know what I'm kind of looking for now. So the next one is even easier to do. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. I mean, experience, like the experience is the best <laughs> teacher. That's what I say. So. Definitely. Sure. Yeah. And don't be afraid to fail. Like that's the thing, like fail fast and fail often yeah. <laughs> is like uh, the best thing learn? ever. Yeah. It's like so everybody has this like success thing that they're chasing everything, but it's all built on the back of failure. Totally. So, you know, the more that you're failing, if you're failing, then, you know, you're then you're learning and then you're you know, you're you're going in the right direction, whether or not you can see it or not. <laughs> Yeah, we love that. Thank you so much. We really yeah. appreciate you coming on the show. Learned a lot. Well, thank you for having me, and I hope to see you guys and anybody else at our conference in a couple yeah. weeks. Yeah, hopefully we'll Sounds make good. it. Thanks for tuning in to the Realized Gains podcast. If you have any questions for our co-hosts or guests, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube or at jordanleemortgage.com.